0: Today, we're chatting to Anika Moore, who's a parachute rigger with the Australian Army. So Anika, she started out as a personal trainer before jumping into a career in defence. She was looking for a job that was really hands-on and active and challenging. And in this interview, I wanted to understand why the
1: role she has today really fit that brief. And she tells us why she loves her job. It's very rewarding in the sense that it's very physically demanding. And when you sort of get to jump out of planes and maybe assist with natural disasters and She also explains what to expect at Kapuka, which
0: is the training camp for entry into defence, and about what her role as a parachute rigger involves day to day. This conversation is one of eight in our series profiling different careers in defence. In this series, we're talking to real people about their day job and the realities of that position. So today we're with Anika, who works in the Australian Army, Mm -hmm. and your official job title is a parachute rigger. Yes, correct. Can you tell me what that means you do?
1: Yeah, so basically on an everyday basis, we inspect, prepare, repair anything or air deliverable equipment, basing from really small parachutes to really large parachutes to repairing them, working with metalwork components of anything that's sort of air capability worthy. And when I think about the army, I never really considered
0: that parachutes would be a big part of what they yep. do or the equipment that they have. Yep. Why does the Army use parachutes?
1: So basically all of the capability work that we do is for the Australian Army. Yes, we work closely with the Air Force, a little bit of the Navy, not so much, but yeah, basically we're hand in hand with the the RAF or the Air Force. Um, So we sort of give all of them our equipment to use for their capability and their training purposes and we get to use or we use their aircrafts to be able to train together um, and do all of our exercises and training with them. So what does
0: training look like for someone in your job? Are you jumping out of a plane and testing parachutes?
1: Yeah, or? so so basically there's sort of two avenues or two approaches the way if you wanted to look at it. So training for us specifically in my job role would be essentially jumping out of planes every couple of months, every couple of weeks, which is pretty fun and pretty daunting, pretty fun. And then the other training side of it is doing our sort of job role for other people who are utilising our sort of equipment, our parachutes, etc. So our training is sort of nearly every day, specifically for our job role, if you need to do recurrency training because every couple of months you need to jump to keep up currency. Yeah, that's sort of the two approaches of it. So when you started this job, had mm-hmm. you jumped out of a plane before? No, I hadn't done any tandem jumps, or anything like that. So yeah, it's pretty fun. And how did you get involved in it? Into into the job role? Yeah. Yeah. So I just applied on DFR like everyone else. Basically, it wasn't even something I had even known was a job role when I applied to be in the army and sort of after you go through all the steps um, of re- through recruiting, you sort of just streamline down into that job. You sort of read all the details about it, and you talk to the person at DFR that you're dealing with. so You understand it a bit better, and then yeah, it's yeah, this is your main job role. Yet yeah, you get to jump out of planes, etc. And then that's sort of it. So if we step right back to where yep. you finished high school, mm-hmm.
0: did you join DFR or the Defence Force straight away, or what was your career? No, starting? so
1: because I went to school in Queensland, I finished school at 17, and then I didn't join the army until. I was 21, I turned 22 at recruit school or recruit training, Kapuka. So I did my certificate three in personal training when I was in grade 12. So then I sort of, as soon as I finished school, I started and did my cert four and went straight into PT. And I was at the same gym from when I finished high school all the way until I joined Kapuka, which was really good. I was doing PT there, helping manage the gym. And I sort of just got to that age, that, that sort of sticking point. I had done that job for about five years, and I was ready to do something else, something a bit more challenging. It's going back a long time now. I can't even remember if I think I had saw a, an ad or a, or a sign or something either on the internet. It could have been it could have been around my hometown. I can't exactly recall. And then yeah, just Googled it, and then it t- took me you know five, six, seven attempts before I actually press the apply button. Why just because you didn't? I don't know yeah I think because I was the first member in my family to join full-time service. I had a few family members do cadets and everything but I didn't know that until I actually told my family oh I'm gonna join you know I want to join the army. I had no friends that had joined the defense force so it was really sort of hard to gauge off. It's just really daunting because if you don't know anything about it you sort of do I don't I I may as well find out some more information about it and then I've just now remembered. I actually went to an information night just for females. Sort of, yeah, you go there and they just sit you down in a room with all these other females and they just give you a basic overview of what defence can look like and you sort of get other females from each Navy, Army, Air Force. and They talk about their job role. You get to ask questions and it's really, it was really helpful. It was really good. And
0: considering that you didn't have a family member mm-hmm. previously serve in defence, yeah, why did you pick the army? Because I just – so many people I've spoken to – when I say, why did you pick the Navy? They yeah. say, oh, my, my dad was in the yeah, Navy or yeah. my mum was in the Air Force. Yep. That's why I picked the Air Force. Yep. So what was the decision?
1: Um, this is going to sound really silly. Um, I don't I don't really do boats. I just get a bit motion sickness. I don't know if that's sort of off topic. I'm not really sure. Just the Army just seemed something that was really interesting to me. It just sort of stood out the most. And especially when you sort of start researching jobs in each category, there was more sort of more jobs in the Army that appealed to me more than... Um, Air Force and Navy. So I want to talk about Kapuka. What was yes. your experience like at Kapuka? I had a really good bunch of roommates. So me and three other girls. So in my platoon, they call it, it was, there was about 50 of us, and then there was about eight girls, seven to eight girls. And so I was a room with three other girls. And so for people who
0: don't know what Kapuka is, yep. it's the induction training when yep. you're joining the army. Yep. And so is it yeah. the first
1: exper- is it the first thing you do? Yes, basically you go on your enlistment day. So wherever you've had your... a you session so you apply online someone get in contact with you and they get you to go down to your local recruitment centre. Okay so is Kapuka the first thing that you do in the army? Yeah so Kapuka is your initial training down in Wagga Wagga which is very cold can be very hot but yeah basically you start on your enlistment day so wherever you recruited from which is your main recruitment centre so for me it was Brisbane so on that day you leave on a big bus there with everyone else could be 30 people could be 60 people and then you eventually make your way down either bus or plane. And yet you get down to Kapuka and then that's your first day and then you're there for 12 weeks approximately. I'm not sure if it's changed. That's how long I spent at Kapuka and that's your first experience of army and sort of you have all your instructors there and all the other recruits as well.
0: So is it – are you doing a lot of physical activity or is it learning about the theory of the army? Are you learning how to use a weapon? Is it like obstacle courses? What kind of activities do you do?
1: Yeah, so basically – All of those things. First week or so you're literally learning how to walk and and talk as a recruit or as a basic soldier. They put you in your uniform, they march you around everywhere And literally the first few weeks is really basic stuff. And then, yeah, eventually you move on through. So all the basic soldier stuff, learning how to use a weapon safely, you know, how to walk and do all your drill movements. And then, yeah, you you do learn about the structural roles and everything in the army, the ranks of everything. And it's going back a while now. It's about nearly seven years ago for me, so I'm trying to remember. But, yeah, lots of PT, lots of personal training in your platoon, which is really good, sort of getting you fit and ready for the wider army, as they say, or the real army, as they say, I say in quotations. And, yeah, it is a lot of resilience training training can be a bit of a mental game, but um, as I said before, if you get put with really, well, you will get put with a really close group of people and you do become quite close quite quickly because you're all there trying to achieve the same thing and you're going through the same thing every day. So,
0: so you were a PT before yes. you joined, so yes. you would have found the fitness component quite easy, I imagine, or is it still really so challenging?
1: It's it's funny you should say that because you can be sort of fit. If you're a good runner, you might find it a little bit easy, especially in the cardio sessions where they're making you run you know, however far with... with um, and how far are we talking? Oh, it could be anything. The first you'd probably run wouldn't be any more than 5K, but yeah, it, okay. it wouldn't be in one sitting. Back when I did Kapuka, they were sort of trialling this new PT program. It was doing intervals on a running track. And, then, you know, another session you'll be running with a rifle, but you're in cams and joggers, so you might have, like, webbing on or body armour or something on. So it's always different, but, you know, I'm, I'm quite fit in running-wise. But if you haven't run with a weapon before, you haven't run with body armour or... You haven't done obstacle course things. It's a bit of a shock to your body. I think I had bruises nearly every single day. But, yeah, it's fun. I no say nice. that now. Looking back, it's fun. Some days there's definitely days where you want to break down and cry. But, as I said, you just lean on your mates and push on through.
0: I feel like it's a real resilience project mm-hmm. in yes. that you leave – knowing so much more about yourself and knowing your limits as a person yeah
1: yeah you do it is really resilience building and you learn a lot of tolerance especially in the mental side of things if something's taking a really long time you sort of just got to push through it if you don't have a lot of resilience before you join the army or kapuka you definitely have a lot after you leave yeah so when you did leave kapuka Mm -hmm. what was your first role i went from kapuka so my timeline sort of worked out really well Parachute rigger, there's sort of only one. It's called IET's initial employment training. So straight after Kapuka, you go to your employment training. I was one of the fortunate ones where I joined Kapuka. I only had a week to wait in, they call it a holding platoon, sort of a week sort of where you're in limbo. Yeah, you're still in the army, you're just sort of in that sort of limbo, you're waiting for your your job role training to start. So I only had to wait a week. And then from there, I moved from Wagga Wagga to South Bendiana, which was where my training was for parachute rigging at the time.
0: And what was that training like? Being someone who'd never done a
1: tandem jump before, what's day one? It is very repetitive because it needs to be. You're literally packing a parachute for someone to use. So it is all about safety, repetitiveness, neatness. So it is a six-month-long course. And on that course, there's a month given or so for your Parachute course, your basic parachute course. It's on an everyday thing. Your first day there, you're basically learning anything and everything there is to know about all things air delivery equipment. So basically from the smallest parachute to the largest parachute, what they look like, and then from there everything then gets broken down. So you'll learn one parachute system this week and the following week and so on and so forth. So there's a fair bit of equipment to get through. That's why the training is about six months long. And then you also got repairing parachutes. That takes a while to learn. That's very nitty-gritty. It's not everyone's strong suit on the course. It can be quite hard. And then, yeah, you have your jump course on the deployment training as well. And what's the jump course
0: like? Yeah. Are you jumping with assistance at the beginning obviously and then eventually you learn to do it
1: by yourself with the jump course to ensure sort of safety and solidifying your training and becoming aware of how important it is to pack parachutes you actually pack your own parachute it's not your first jump on course for um, your second or third jump you have that mental capability of oh i'm not just yeah, packing I'm this parachute yeah I'm using it so it's really taking on that responsibility which everyone always does anyway so yeah essentially it's just the three to four week course depending on weather and you're jumping straight away by yourself so it's called static line jumping which is different to what you would see people do tandem jumps The people go out on weekend do jumping that's called free fall parachuting so then in the army there's a difference between the free fall parachuting and the static line parachuting so the free fall parachuting is what you see like tandems When people go out on the weekend or they buy a birthday present for someone who does skydiving, that's free for parachuting. Parachute riggers, everyone gets qualified on static line jumping. So basically imagine you've got your parachute on, looks like a backpack, you hook onto the aircraft, onto like a cable on the inside or the skin on the inside of an aircraft. So as soon as you... Jump out the door or the ramp of the aircraft, it pulls the pin on the parachute and opens it for you. And so you're not jumping from a very high height. It's only about a thousand feet, which is not very high. Usually, if people who are free falling will jump at 10 000 to 12,000 feet. So as soon as you exit the aircraft, the parachute opens. You do some of your parachuting drills. So from about exiting the aircraft to when you're actually on the ground, it's probably about a minute and a half, maybe, if that, depending on how heavy you are or how light you are, I should say.
0: Do you still get an adrenaline rush?
1: Yes, especially if you haven't done it in a while. If you were injured or they're just you know, you haven't had a chance to jump in a while and then you go and jump, yeah, it's it's pretty daunting. So for a lot of people, that's probably why they do this job, a bit of the adrenaline junkies. It is definitely a job for adrenaline junkies and it can be super addicting too. So so how does your role contribute to the purpose of the Army? Everyone works together in the Defence Force. It might not look like it on an everyday day thing, but we do all work together to achieve everything we need to for the Defence. So my everyday role is to ensure parachutes are packed safely. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Um, and we help do training and and currencies and everything like that and as a whole that helps the bigger picture of the army like i said might not look like it on a day-to-day thing but yeah it just ensures that we're doing our job safely and then that that helps the rest of the army and defense achieve all their training needs that they need to and and currencies and and whatnot after that so is it a nine to five job so my work typically is we usually arrive at work between 7 and seven thirty. our official start time is seven thirty. we do pt for an hour And then we have, you know, morning tea, have a shower and whatnot. And then we're usually starting work by about 9, 9 9.15. Work till lunch, have lunch, come back. And then we finish at four o'clock every day. It's such a good
0: perk having PT PT, in your job.
1: Yeah. So you do get paid to do PT every day. Like I said, every unit's different. We do a lot of sport at our unit, so Tuesday mornings and Thursday afternoons is sport, which is really good. It's obviously good for camaraderie and everything of the squadron. It's really good, especially in our job role. It is for fit people. There is sort of fitness tests that you do have to pass to do our job, a necessity to be able to maintain fitness. And parachuting or packing parachutes is actually quite physically demanding, so we do need to be quite physically able to be able to achieve that. Does the Army parachute or could they parachute equipment or food supplies into places as well? At my squadron, which is 176 Air Dispatch Squadron, they are parachute riggers, so we pack the parachutes. And then there's the job role called Air Dispatchers. Just to simplify, we pack the parachutes. The Air Dispatchers then take the parachutes from us. They rig them up in what's called like loads. I won't get into their nitty-gritty of their jobs, but they take the parachutes from us. They could rig up anything from food ammo big tires anything that is needed for, for any emergency or anything like that so basically they take all the equipment from us that we've packed they use it they then go and load that on aircrafts with the air force and then the air force are the ones who actually physically push it out of the back of the aircraft
0: yeah yeah so it is quite interdependent all the different roles yeah, in and st- the different arms of
1: defense 100, yeah so 100% you don't really realize it at the time but There is a really big chain of events. Your job might be packing a parachute. That parachute then goes to the air dispatchers who rig it up on a load that goes to the air force the air force then drop that into a flood zone or anything work tasks if something's happened and there's a big chain of someone you've given someone food or water or anything like that that may need it but to you it's just your normal everyday job so like i said it's a massive chain of events and yeah we are all working as well so when the defense force contributes when australia is having a natural disaster
0: or on a global scale and there's a natural disaster i imagine it's quite a rewarding thing to be a part of what What would be the most rewarding thing you've worked on?
1: The most rewarding thing I think we did, we've done a lot of flood assists, but um, the Tonga flood assists at the start of the year, basically we had to get supplies and stores in there for the people. So
0: you obviously love your job.
1: Yes. I can tell by actually talking about it
0: that you really enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. What though, if you have to articulate why, why do you love your job?
1: A lot of people when they say, oh, what do you do? And you say you're in the army and you say you're a parachute rigger, they go, that must be so cool. Tell me about it, and a lot of people don't know it's actually a job role. Like I said before, I didn't know it was a thing. It's very rewarding in the sense that it's very physically demanding. And when you sort of get to jump out of planes and maybe assist with natural disasters in terms of helping the rest of the unit pack supplies or pack the parachutes of where the supplies are getting dropped to, it is very rewarding. Obviously, everyone has good and bad days. You know, there's no job in the world where you don't have bad days because it is very physically demanding when you sort of do get to see the first hand sometimes of the things you're doing and helping, even if it is helping training can be very rewarding yeah so when you say it's a really
0: physical job packing parachutes Mm -hmm. can you describe to me what that kind of factory floor scenario looks like is it
1: i'll explain sort of packing the free fall parachutes because obviously that's sort of our main thing that we sort of pack on a day-to-day thing just imagine you're packing a parachute or folding a giant piece of material on carpet. The carpet's nice and squishy so it's better for our knees as we sort of do a lot of packing on our knees rather than setting up. So yeah you're sort of packing a giant piece of material that is really slippery and you need to fold it really neatly into a bag that's three times smaller than what it is. So it's a lot of technique and they tell you that when you're learning how to pack parachutes it's really frustrating and you sort of make a mess of it and it's really repetitive and you just sort of want it to be over but you know like anything the more you do it the better you get at it and so after a while you sort of figure out all the the tricks of the trade and how to do it competently and fast and sort of next thing you know you're sort of doing it unconsciously better than you ever thought you could so yeah that's probably the best way to describe it is a giant slippery piece of material and trying to fold it really neatly into a bag that is three four times too small for it and is there any kind of
0: What's the testing process like for when it's packed? How do you know that it was done correctly? Or is that just down to your training and you just trust that it was?
1: Yeah, so basically that is down to training. However, in the ranks in the army, we have privates, So they're the, you know, you, you finish Kapuka, you're a private. After you've done a few years, you go on your promotional courses. And then from there, there's either Lance Corporal or Corporal. So in parachute rigging, in our trade, privates do, or I should say most of the privates, even Lance Corporals, they do all the packing. And then corporals are what's called like a supervisor or commonly known as a checker. So you just imagine that private is packing that really slippery piece of material, trying to pack it into the bag. They have a corporal watching them and basically they're ensuring that they're doing all the correct packing techniques. And each, each time that the parachute is getting packed at each stage, there's a thing called checks. Through the packing process, there are stages where they stop, they get it to a certain stage, they say stop, check, and then the corporal will come over, check that they've done that stage correctly and then they move on to the next stage. So there's no sort of start and finish. They just do what they sort of like and however they please. It's down to the training, and then it's also down to, yeah, the checkers as well to ensure that they're packing it correctly. So it's not just one person's name on that piece of equipment. There could be multiple checkers checking that piece of equipment. So everyone sort of works together to ensure that it's packed safely and correctly. So you have to have quite a high attention to detail. High, Very high attention to detail. Um, But as I said before, you sort of do get, really competent at it fast etc but yeah you do need to have that attention to detail Um, sometimes a little bit of patience as well so what opportunities do you think or career opportunities
0: specifically do you think you've had via the defense force that are unique to defense
1: in sort of our stream of parachute rigging, you can become parachute instructors. You can be the people teaching people how to jump out of a plane. I have a qualification called a Military Starter line Supervisor. So I'm qualified to retrain people who are already qualified. I'm in the aircraft telling them when to jump. I'm reminding them how to put on their parachute, doing sort of all those sorts of things. So there's a big role or stream to go down to instructing. And like I said, it's a really niche trade. Not many people in the Army know what we do let alone sort of the yeah what we sort of do on an everyday basis being that we do work with the army special forces that's sort of our main workload I should say. And so when you applied for this specific job within mm-hmm. Army,
0: what was the interview process like? How did you land the role?
1: Yeah, you apply for Defence. You just apply as a whole through the Army. You don't actually apply for that job role specifically. You'll have someone call you. Um, they'll ask you all these questions and they'll get you to come in um, for an aptitude test. If you don't know what that is, it's basically you sit in front of a computer screen and some questions come up and you sort of answer the questions, etc. And then basically, depending on how you go on that test, you can unlock certain job roles. So if you're super, super smart and you answered all the questions because there is a time limit, you will usually unlock more job opportunities, more job roles because there's definitely job roles that require more critical thinking, logical thinking. And then from there, you go away, you do talk to someone else and they say, you've unlocked these job roles, go home and research them. So you go back onto your DFR and then everything on every job role in the army is on DFR. You read through all the jobs and then you, I believe you get what's called like an enlistment officer or I think it's a candidate officer. I can't quite remember, it could have changed. And they'll get in contact with you and you sort of pick preferences and then from there, you then go and have a U session. So you'll go back in and it's essentially a job interview. So you'll sit down with, it could be an officer of either a Navy or Army or Air Force. Just because you're joining the Army won't mean that we get interviewed by an Army officer. So for me on my U session, that's what it's called. I went in there with my preferences, which I think was parachute rigger, a cargo specialist. And I can't remember what the third preference was, but you go in there with the main job that you want to do and it is essentially a job job interview they want to make sure that you've researched the job that you know the ins and outs of it to the best of your ability why you want to do it and why you think you'd be good at it yeah basically they just make sure that you're eager to do it that's how I sort of got into it and just looking on DFR after you sort of have that that attitude test just lets you know sort of where you're at and what you can do so why defense when you said you went
0: to the information evening and you started looking online and there might have been you said seven or eight times you considered it before you took yeah. the plunge yeah what was it about defense that attracted you
1: I really don't know I think just because I was a PT and like I played a lot of sport and did a lot of that stuff growing up I think I was sort of at a crossroad at work I was sort of do I stay doing PT slash go down the management role or we'll look at another job that was you know a nine-to-five job is not something that I wanted to, I, I personally wanted to do at the time and I was sort of wanted something that was a lot more hands-on And so, yeah, like I said, I can't recall exactly where I saw a sign or anything like that uh, or an advertisement for DFR. And then, yeah, I believe I just Googled, you know, DFR or Army Australia and then just, yeah, just sort of every time you go on the page you get like, I remember I just remember I'd get, you know, sweaty palms and I'd get like anxious, like in a good way thinking about it and just like imagine what it would be like and then, yeah, eventually you sort of. And has it been what you thought it would be? Yes and no there's definitely a lot of things where you go this is pretty good and then um, there's definitely times where you just you wouldn't even think that you know that you'd be doing that sort of stuff so all certain aspects of the job so there's still things that come up every year every couple of weeks like oh I didn't even know that this was a thing Oh, this is pretty cool yeah so yes and no like in, in a good way there's a I think there is a lot of people out there that are always hesitant to to join because they just don't know what it's like and my best bit of advice would be definitely try and get in contact with someone that you know has been in the army or, or defense I didn't have that I didn't really have anyone to go off to speak to to say hey what was it like so if you can try and find someone like that or listening to this podcast probably a really good way to start to sort of get that firsthand information because that's just probably the best the best way to hear about it if you're interested about it.
0: I think a lot of students who are considering defense they hear or they have so many misconceptions Mm -hmm. about what a life in defense force Mm -hmm. would be like. Yes. Can you think of a misconception that maybe you previously held which you have found to be not true? Yes
1: I think this is probably defense as a whole but probably more specifically army And it comes down to the same thing as as kapuka. I think a lot of people think that you get yelled at and someone's pointing in your face, yelling at you the whole time. That comes from movies and TV shows and cartoons and a lot of that is, I think, is from that stigma that someone is, yes, you know, standing at at you, telling you what to do and being mean. That's not the case. At kapuka, there is times where someone is being really stern and no secret, but you do get not necessarily yelled at, but you do get given a lot of direction and looking back now and you don't know it at the time a lot of the time it's a safety thing it's to instill resilience like what we talked about it's to instill being fast and being prompt and being able to do things you know without hesitation and and you sort of look back and it is the bigger picture of it's to move with purpose that's something that they say like a puka all the time if you're not moving fast enough it's move with purpose then becomes second nature but yeah i think that's a big stigma that people you get yelled at when you're in the army to to do that and that's not the case um gets sort of more relaxed once you leave training establishments yeah that's probably the biggest stigma it's not scary all the time i guess it can be scary if someone is standing there especially if you you know you're 18 19 just left school and you're at the army and the next thing you know you're being yelled at because you're not standing there with your feet together but that's not really the case and yet times are changing everything's defense is adapting to 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 the modern world um and so yeah that's probably the biggest stigma i personally found and when you say defence is changing, the world is changing, et cetera. Yeah. I had
0: another question about how has
1: technology changed your job? <laughs> I wish I could say I could compare it to something. Personally, on an everyday to day basis, I don't think there's gonna be any time soon where a machine is gonna be packing parachutes. I guess However,
0: it's just the the opportunity for a risk is so high. Like you need, yes. you do need that human yes. eye.
1: You do. And, you know, I could say it'd be less human error, but, you know, there's also things where machines also have malfunctions and whatnot. So yes, there's always room for human error, but, you know, there's probably people behind those machines also pressing a button. So I would love to say that it's, yeah, modernising. One example is all of our instructional manuals are all obviously online now with computers and everything. You don't have to carry around textbooks of how to pack things you know there's more modern parachutes that are coming out they're more effective and not so big and bulky and hard to pack that's probably one way but in terms of our everyday today thing it probably hasn't changed much over the last 60 years because humans need to pack parachutes because it's just the way that they need to be packed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so where do you see yourself in five years? What are your career goals?
1: Um, so my career goals is I'm currently corporal. I'm looking at sergeant in the next couple of years. So I need to do all my promotional courses, which one of them is the free fall course. So that's different to the static line course. I did attempt it last year. I got injured. Yeah. So I didn't fully complete it. So I do need to complete that. When I first joined, I wanted to do 10 years. So next year I'll be at seven. So I'd love to just, yeah, be able to see where I'm at after those 10 years and see how where do the army's f- at too how do you feel you've changed as a person because
0: i know a lot of the people i've interviewed have had these amazing training courses where mm-hmm. they've become like a leader or they're a yeah. better communicator yeah. do you feel that yeah. you've had personal development within um,
1: i think definitely personal development is a big one it could go both ways if you join the army really young and You'd never lived out of home. You've come from a really, really small town. You definitely have the opportunity to open the horizon to the wider workforce in general. You can really have the opportunity to travel and, and see the rest of the country or the world possibly, depending what you're doing. But I think it definitely, like I keep going back to that resilience thing, but it does. It, it really does instill um, resilience. Discipline is a big one. Organisational skills is one. If you join the Army, um, I can't comment on Air Force and Navy. I didn't do their training, but you become really clean, really organised, not everyone. (laughs) But as a whole, I think, yeah, resilience, um, life, just life admin and life organisational skills. Yeah, and I think you definitely have a broader horizon you work with so many different people it's ridiculous you know there could be someone at work who is 18 and then you could be working beside someone who is 55 and they've done 30 years of service and just being able to interact with people who have had such different careers you know someone in the army that has been in the army for 30 years is there it has been so different to mine so I think just opening up and seeing how the army is so different But yeah, back to how it's changed me. Um, It's really hard. I joined pretty young, but definitely has made me quite independent. I was quite independent to begin with. But yeah, it can definitely bring a lot of independence and can really sort of give you a bit of drive in everyday life too. sort of, there's always sort of something to work towards or to wanting to achieve. And final question,
0: do you like the feeling of being a part of something bigger than yourself?
1: Yeah, I think so especially when we do get recognition as a whole in defense it is pretty good especially when there are things like anzac day remembrance day you sort of get to put on your ceremonial uniform and with all the brass and everything it is quite a good feeling being a part of such a big i shouldn't say big we are quite a small defense force in comparison to the rest of the world and so yeah it is it's a very cool little group that's probably the best way to put it you might not see eye to eye with someone but in the bigger picture you're all there to achieve the same thing and so yeah, it can be really good. Yeah, I've
0: just been blown away with everyone I've spoken to. That sense of team mm-hmm. that everyone truly is dependent on the person next to them. Literally, and yeah. The job does not get done if anyone has even yes the air of arrogance to yes. think that they're doing. It just is such a team, and it's so quite a yeah. unique. Yeah business in that sense
1: it really is and especially sort of our unit really do work with small group of people so we'll just laugh there's just lots of banter that goes on every day everyone's quite close and like I said there's just a range of ages and people and cultures and there's just sort of one big community and it's definitely something I think a lot of like young people I think should look into and if they're sort of unsure about what they want to do I think yeah Defence is probably right to look at if you can get to sort of information night or sometimes they do sort of little stores like careers day somewhere definitely go there and see if they can give you some info on what you're looking for.
0: Thank you so much. No worries my pleasure. I've loved chatting to you. Yes thank you so much.